Welcome to the Stony Plain Alliance Church Podcast. We are a community that is about discovering fullness of life for everyone by practicing the way of Jesus together. This message is a part of our series, Breathe, where we are reimagining life at the sustainable and abundant pace that Jesus offers. Join me in prayer. God, we come to you today and um, we surrender to you and we look to you today. Uh, You're our, our only hope. You're what our hearts, our souls really, really need. Uh, We run so hard after uh, everything that really, really doesn't satisfy, whether it's our our work or our play or the people around us. We're just so busy trying to make things just so, just right. So today, help us to reorient, help us to reset, help us to refocus. Uh, to return our eyes to you, to return our hearts to you. Uh, God, we we invite you to breathe life into us through the work of your spirit. Uh, We recognize that that's the only thing that truly, really gives life. You're the only one who truly gives life. And so again, just even as we prayed last week, we turn away from those attachments to things that really don't satisfy and ultimately matter in this life, Um, and we look to you, the only one that can actually breathe life into our souls and into meaning into the things that we do and the relationships that we have. And so, God, we we come again as hungry people. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, everybody. Hey, I'm so glad that you're here in church today. It's uh, just great to see you come in to walk in, to worship. Uh, If you're a guest, um, we're so glad that you're here with us today. Thanks for coming and being part of our worship service. We would love to connect uh, further with you, uh, and I would love to have you stop by our connection desk outside and let us know that you're here so that we can connect with you. Uh, We're in a series, if you're just joined us, we're in a series in which uh, we're, it's called Breathe. And, And what we're really looking at is how to live a different way. Uh, how, how to live a different kind of life, how to live a life that really is built around the person of Christ and around habits and practices that lead to a resilient, sustainable, full life. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. The thief com- comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and have it to the, to the full If our lives lead us to burnout and to frustration and anxiety and pressure, I I think that there's a good indication that while we may be placing our faith in Jesus, we're really not following the way of Jesus. And, And so in this series, we've been talking about entering into a way of life and into practices that lead us into the life that Jesus offers. Uh, it, it certainly begins with faith. We're, we, we're, not, we're, not, um, we're, we're not making light of that. We're, we're not saying that that doesn't matter. We, we need to ultimately place our hope and our faith and our trust in Christ. We, we talk more about that. But, but there are, are ways or habits, practices that actually lead us to a sustainable, resilient, healthy, full life. And so today we're going to talk about Sabbath. And uh, we're going to talk about this practice of rest that God gives us. 
there's a great resource, uh, Shalina quoted from it, called The Rest of God by Mark Buchanan. And uh, if you uh, want to read more about Sabbath and the practice of Sabbath, that book is, is uh, well-written, and uh, I would uh, highly recommend it. But the reality is, is that we live in a, in a busy world that is in search of, of true rest. Everyone is seeking rest, and, and yet it seems elusive. You know, you, you ask the average person, how are you doing? And their response is likely to be, man, I'm tired, busy. Yeah, those are the common responses, right? Uh, rarely does somebody walk through the door and, and say, man, I am, I'm just so rested. I'm on the verge of boredom. <laughs> Nobody would, I mean, even if you were, you wouldn't confess to that, right? Like, but typically... Most people walk into our church on a Sunday and they're tired and, and, and they're, they're in need of rest. It's, it's elusive. We, li- we live in a culture, uh, particularly in Alberta, I can speak for Alberta because I've lived here for 20 years now, and you know, the, the, we, we have people who in Alberta will work 12 hours a day for numerous days in a row without a proper rest, sometimes 21 days in a row. And, and people will actually boast of it. It's kind of like a, a badge of honor. It's kind of like they've, they've been to war, you know. I was listening to these two guys speak at the gym, and they were talking about their, their time up in Fort McMurray. And it was kind of like this thing that had bonded them, and they were talking about the long work hours and the work conditions, and it was like this experience of these two guys that had been to war. Nobody else understands what that's like, right? Just having gone through this experience. But, but that's the kind of culture that we live in. And then we have people who take expensive winter vacations to get some sun and lengthy summer vacations at the lake or the campground just, just to get some rest. If you drive into my subdivision uh, during the summer, it looks like an RV park. <laughs> Everyone is just ready to get out of there at a moment's notice. Right? We're ready to vacate this place. Whatever chance I get, I am out of here. And despite the amount of money and energy that we spend trying to get some rest, rest eludes us. And I've talked to countless numbers of people who will say, I can't sleep at, uh, at night. I lay awake thinking about things that are undone and conflicts that are unresolved. I'm tired We've taken family vacations, but when we take a family vacation, it feels like we need to come home to get some rest. (laughs) We stumble into the summer months after a year of school and hockey and soccer and dance and riding lessons and 4-H club, and we're thinking, man, if I can just get to the end of June, then I can get some rest. Most of us are just heading into, if you've got kids, you're heading into spring break, and then after spring break, it's June. We're kind of like running from one thing to the next. And then June hits, and we've got, you know, the end of June, and now we have two months of summer. And then the treadmill starts running again in September. <laughs> and we do things to compensate for lack of rest. Things like prescription drugs or over-drinking or over-exercising or overeating, Just something to give us some sense of rest take the edge off. And technology keeps us constantly engaged. We're always on our technology, filling our minds with whatever, uh, whatever's presented to us. Social media is designed that, that way. It's designed to keep us coming back for one hit after another. 
I saw this meme uh, that went around on social media. We, we really lack that white space in our lives, right, where we actually sit and reflect. There's not that many people who just sit and reflect anymore. It feels like a little bit of a, a waste of time. It feels like we should be doing something. So I saw this meme. It says, I saw a guy at Starbucks today. Freaked me out. He had no smartphone, tablet, or laptop. He just sat there drinking his coffee, doing nothing, staring ahead, just like a psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> And even if that's not your outward reality, you know, think about the internal state because rest addresses both our external state and our internal state. Because being at a place of rest means that we're, we're in balance. Unrested means that we're out of balance. We're not in sync. We have no equilibrium. We have no inner harmony. There's, a, there's an inner restlessness, a treadmill that keeps us working, always going, always expanding, always worrying, always in conflict. This inner angst and sometimes anger, unable to be still, unable to just sit in the presence of God, always moving, always producing. When, when was the last time you had rest externally and internally? I bet it's been a while. There are two ways that we get rest typically, and Scripture speaks to both of these. First of all, laziness and overwork. There are two ways that we try to address rest. The lazy person steals rest. A lazy person steals time. They steal time from their employers when they, they don't put an honest day's work in. They take long breaks over lunch hour and coffee break, and they, they call in sick when they're not really sick, and they, they don't contribute to the household needs. They leave their spouse and their parents to do it all. They're the ones who, given the choice, like I just, you know, they would say, I just wouldn't work. They would rather spend their own days pursuing their own things, and if they had enough money, they would retire and never lift a finger again. And the, the Proverbs, writer of Proverbs says, the sluggard buries his hand in the dish, he won't even bring it back to its mouth. <laughs> Love that picture. I can't even eat, I'm so lazy. <laughs> A lazy person idolizes rest. That's what they live for. That life is all about rest. It's all about just play and doing my own thing. Proverbs 24 says, I went past the field of the sluggard, the lazy person, past the vineyard of the man who lacks judgment. Thorns had come up everywhere. The ground was covered with weeds and the stone wall was in ruins. That's kind of a picture of somebody who's lazy. And, and then the other approach is overwork. And so the lazy person steals time, but the overworker buys time. They buy rest. Everything they have, and I think this is probably more the mindset of those of us who live here in Alberta, everything they have, they've earned, including, if they can, their rest time. Rest belongs to me. It's my time. I've earned it. I've accrued it. I deserve it. Whether it's a long weekend in Jasper or uh, sitting at a resort, we view our rest as something that we have worked hard for. And therefore, it belongs to us. The ultimate idea of an earned rest, I think, is early retirement. I've worked hard, and I've played my cards right, and I've invested well, and I've bought myself a few years of extra rest that the rest of you suckers don't get. Right? I'm the privileged one because I've played my cards right. I've saved my money. I've worked hard, and now I get to rest. The Scriptures value hard work. Don't get me wrong. The scriptures value hard work. Never values laziness, but it does value hard work. And, and work is seen as a gift from God. It's not seen as a curse. 
God gave work to humanity prior to the fall. It's actually a gift to be received. But so is work, and God act, or so is rest, and God actually puts boundaries around rest for the overworker. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, he says, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. He puts boundaries around time for people so that they don't overwork and they don't make other people overwork. And so those are, those are the two extremes in our culture, and both idolize rest. And yet, rest eludes us, whether we're lazy or workaholics. We can't receive rest. And we can't receive rest because rest is really a gift. It's a gift from God. It's not stolen. It's not earned. It's not deserved. It's a gift. And if we never ever see it as a gift, we'll never ever rest truly rest the way that God intends us to rest. So we're going to look at two passages on the Sabbath, and it's going to teach us a little bit about rest and how to rest and why rest is important. Both are, both are Sabbath commands. They're found in the, in the Ten Commandments, but each has a little bit of a different perspective. And so we're going to look at these two Sabbath commands. The first one teaches us that we can rest and enter into rest and receive the gift of rest because God is ultimately in charge of this life and I'm not. God's in charge and I'm not. Exodus chapter 20, the Sabbath command is rooted in the creation account. Remember the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. Keep it set apart. Keep it separate from the other days of the week. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, livestock or the sojourner who is with you within your gates. For in six days, here's, here's the reason why. For in six days, the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. He set it apart. He said it's special. It's blessed. The Sabbath command is, is rooted in the creation account. And, and the creation account happens this way. It, it's, it's presented as, as God who comes and subdues chaos. The world is chaotic, and yet as the Spirit of God hovers over the, the water and God begins to speak, the chaos is brought into order. And, and, and there's emptiness in the world, and God begins to take the emptiness that's there, and He begin, begins to fill it up. And where there's darkness, He begins to shine light. And that really is the way that our weeks play out. We, we're constantly most of us are constantly trying to subdue some form of chaos in our lives. We're trying to bring order to something. If you're a mom, you understand that, <laughs> right? And, and, and we're always trying to fill our week with meaningful thi things and meaningful activity. We're, we're trying to subdue chaos. We're trying to fill our week up. And God creates the world. He does this. He, he subdues the, the chaos of the world and He and he fills it up, and he creates the world, and then, and then on the seventh day, he rests. And, and the word rest is interesting because normally when we think of rest, we think of relaxation. We, we envision that God took a break, that he pulled his work clothes off, he, he put on his house coat, he watched uh, episodes of Netflix until he passed out on the couch, right? We kind of view rest that way, but that's not the kind of rest that Genesis 1 is speaking about. The kind of rest that Genesis, or Genesis is speaking about, Genesis 2, the kind of rest that it's speaking about is the sense that God takes up residence in the world. 
The psalmist says that the, the earth is the Lord's temple and everything in it. What does God do in his temple? He comes to rest in his temple. His presence comes to rest in his temple. That's where he takes up residence, so to speak. Exodus chapter 40, Moses had constructed the, temp, the, the tent of meeting, and the same imagery is used here. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting, it says, because the cloud had settled, had rested, that same word that's used in Genesis, had rested upon it, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And so the sense of Sabbath is that now God has created the world, and he takes up residence in it. He's built the house. He's wired it for light and sound. He's brought order to it. He's painted the walls. He's furnished it. He's put people in it. And then when all of that is complete, he determines it as good. He steps back and he says, this is good. And he comes and indwells it. His presence rests in that place. The world is now ordered. It's at rest with God. God's at rest with it. God is in control. There's no more chaos. There's no more darkness. There's no more dysfunction. It's a good place. Justice and mercy and love and compassion and kindness rule and reign. The message here is that when God rules and reigns, we can experience the good life. The good life comes under the rule and reign of God. And, and I want you to notice, too, that when God creates humanity on the sixth day, he gives them a job description. He actually gives them an assignment. And then the seventh day, he says, now I want you to rest with me. They, they don't actually get to jump into action. They, they actually have to do nothing, which tells us something about the rhythm of our own lives, that we don't work to rest. We don't earn our rest, but we actually receive the gift of rest and work out of that. That's a huge shift for us. Most of us work to rest, God gives them a job assignment, and then he says, I want you to rest first, and then, I, then I'm going to set you off on your jobs. Rest is not a vacation. It's our form of rest. Rest is a gift to live under the rule and reign of God. And so rest, rest is God taking up his throne, taking his place at the helm of, of creation. And when God is in control, there's equilibrium and there's stability and there's balance and there's order and there's peace. Where there was once chaos, where there was once mess, there's order. Where there was once darkness, there's light. And God sets his throne up. Life functions best where God rules and reigns. There's no striving. There's no earning. There's no, there's no, no need to pretend to be something or someone. There's no jostling for position. There's no proving ourselves to others. There's no need to protect what's mine and promote my rights. Rest is the ability to be with God and to be at peace with God, to be at peace within myself and to be at peace with other people. That's what the gift of rest allows. So once a week, God says, I want you to remind yourself that I'm sovereign over your life. I'm sovereign over your world. He wants us to order our lives around him, to recognize that life doesn't revolve around us and our puny little efforts, but life actually revolves around him, that God can take care of my business and my work and my house and my relationships, whatever defines life for me, because all of us are trying to, to build a life. We're all trying to build something out of our lives, whether it's the, the home that we own and the career that we're developing or the business that we have. We're all trying to build something, and when we take a rest from that, we're reminding ourselves that all of this that I'm trying to build— doesn't 
revolve around me and my efforts, but it revolves around this God who's sovereign over my life. I can rest from all that I'm trying to build, all that I'm trying to manage, all of the chaos that I'm trying to subdue in my life actually comes under the rule and reign of God. And it doesn't all depend on me. And reminds me that God can continue to work even when I'm not working. That God is working in the midst of my circumstances, in the midst of my stuff, to accomplish His will and purpose for my life. Eugene Peterson, it's a bit of a harsh quote, but listen to what he says. If we do not regularly quit work for one day a week, we take ourselves far too seriously. The moral sweat pouring off our brows blinds us, blinds our eyes to the action of God in and around us. We fail to see God's work if we just keep working. Rest comes from God's rule and reign over my life to bring order out of chaos and peace out of striving and light out of darkness and fullness out of emptiness. And I think the reason that we're we're tired is because we're trying to do what God can only do. We are trying to bring order and light and fullness where we can't, regardless of how hard we try. Augustine said, our hearts are restless until, until they find their rest in thee. Rest is not the ability just to have a physical rest, but a deep awareness of the fact that my life and my work, and my world, my family, is under the sovereign rule of God. And Sabbath helps to remind me of that in a way that nothing else does. Secondly, we can rest because God delivers and we're free people. So the first account, the first uh, Sabbath command is found in the creation account. The second Sabbath command is found in the deliverance of God's people out of slavery in Egypt and into freedom. They're just about to go into the land of promise. And, and God wants to remind them about his mighty act of deliverance. He wants to, to remind them of something sovereign. Look at verse 15 in this. I'm going I'm to read, uh, start in verse 12, but look at verse 15 in particular. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor, do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath day of the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. Neither you nor your son, your daughter, your male, female servant, your ox, your donkey, any other animals or any foreigner residing in your town so that your male and females, female servants may get some rest as you do. Hey, overworkers, don't make other people work. <laughs> That's what he's saying. Don't make those around you, the, the people whose lives you impact, don't make them work. Have you ever been in the presence of an overworker? They, they, they're like, you feel like you gotta, you've got to constantly work. You, you've got to constantly produce because that's what they're doing. And, and if they never ever take a rest, if they never ever chill, if they never ever dial it down, you feel like you, you're, you're, you've got to constantly be, be in, their, in, in their energy, in their project. So he says, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. And so th this is rooted in that mighty act of deliverance where God takes his people out of Egypt and into the land of promise. They were, they were slaves in Egypt. They were, they were conscripted into building these pyramids for Pharaoh, making bricks day in and day out and without a rest, seven days a week. They went on and on and on and on until they dropped dead. And so God delivers them out of that. 
And, and his, uh, this, the Sabbath command is rooted in that act of deliverance to remind them that they were no longer slaves. They were once slaves, but, but God had now delivered them, and they became free people. Sabbath reminds us that we're not slaves to anyone or anything. We're free. God has rescued us. That's what the Sabbath command is supposed to remind us of, that we're not enslaved. And our primary identity doesn't come from our work or our money or our things, but from the fact that we're God's children and we've been rescued from sin. It takes on the whole, a whole new meaning in the New Testament through Jesus. Because as we look at the gospel, we recognize that Jesus has rescued us from sin and death through his work on the cross, and now we have a brand new identity in Jesus. You are no longer slaves. You're now children of God. That's the reminder of Sabbath, because in, in the Old Testament, the people of Israel, if you're a slave, your identity becomes that of a slave. I'm, I'm a slave. That's, that's all I do. That's all I'm good for. But now we're supposed to remind ourselves that we're actually free people who are children of God. Your life is not defined by how big your bank account is, how much influence you have, how many experiences you collect, how manicured your lawn is, how clean your house is, how educated you are. Your life is defined by the fact that God has rescued you and redeemed you and brought you into a relationship with himself and called you his child. That's it. Full stop right there. Nothing else matters in God's kingdom economy. That's it. You are free from enslavements to your money, to your house, to your work, your social media accounts, your attachments, and you rest in him. And that is the secret of the Christian life. From the moment we come to faith in Jesus, we recognize that our salvation isn't dependent on my work, it's dependent on the work of Jesus, and I get to rest in the work of Jesus for salvation. My holiness, my development into Christ-likeness doesn't depend on me and my efforts. It depends on the power of God's Spirit at work in me. I get to cooperate with Him, but I get to rest in His work. And then the ultimate coming of God's kingdom also doesn't depend on me. Jesus says, pray like this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom comes not because of our work. The kingdom comes because of His work. We get to join Him in it. Everything that happens in God's kingdom is a result of his work. We get to rest in him. That's the gospel. And Sabbath reminds us that a full, abundant, and eternal life doesn't depend on us. It depends on God. And I think the reason that we can't receive God's gift of Sabbath is because there are inner forces that don't allow us to fully trust him. We, we believe the lie that our work is too important to stop doing. We believe the lie that God won't provide for us, so we have to provide for ourselves. We're trying to solve problems in our own strength. We're trying to make something of ourselves. We're trying to establish our own self-worth, and these things have become the priority of our lives rather than trusting Him and resting in Him. Believe me, it's not easy. <laughs> it's probably one of the toughest things that we'll do in our culture is actually rest in him. And yet that's the gospel, learning how to rest in Jesus rather than our own efforts. Sabbath is a gift that we receive by faith. 
And I, I think we have to be convinced of this practice of Sabbath. We have to be convinced that it's actually a good and necessary thing. We have to believe that it's actually a gift that I get to receive, not a command that I must obey. We have to believe that it's a gift that God gives us. Is it a command? Yeah, but it is actually. His commands are gifts, are they not? His boundaries are actually good things. And we have to believe that. Jesus said that Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. He's saying that Sabbath was actually made to be a blessing to us that it was made for us, it was made for our benefit. And I think until we actually believe that this is true, we won't do it. We won't begin to, to even try. I, I think that I could give you all of the, all of the helps. And, and I've got lots of suggestions and ideas of how you might go about having a Sabbath, but until we actually believe that a day of rest is actually a good thing for us, we, we won't begin to enter in. During Sabbath rest, we begin to develop the reality of, of life in God's kingdom. And we're, we're not alone. We, we learn that things don't have to happen our way. That God is actually helping me and working all things together for our good so that we can be satisfied no matter what, even when things get left undone. The, the Sabbath day is a, is a day to let go, to, to stop controlling people and situations. It's a, it's a day to unhook from technology. It's a day to unhook from performing for people or pleasing people. It's a day to focus on what God is doing graciously all around you and to respond to Him rather than depending on your own ability to make things happen. Taking a Sabbath teaches us to trust God and to enjoy God. It helps us to be governed by God. It's God's way to set us free from worry and anxiety and ambition and adrenaline and self-importance and anger. Let me quote, close with this quote. It's a long quote, so bear with me. Sabbath is not dependent on our readiness to stop. Are we ever ready to stop? We do not stop when we are finished. We do not stop when we complete our phone calls, finish our project, get through our stack of messages. Come on up, Danielle. Get this report out that's due tomorrow. We stop because it's time to stop. Sabbath requires surrender. If we only stop when we're finished with all our work, we will never stop because our work is never completely done. With every accomplishment, there arises a new responsibility. Every swept floor invites another sweeping. Every child bathe invites another bathing. <laughs> Parents, you can identify with that. When all life moves in such cycles, whatever, whatever is finished. The sun goes round, the moon goes round, the tides and seasons go round, people are born and die, and when are we finished? If we refuse to rest until we are finished, we will never rest until we die. Sabbath dissolves the artificial urgency of our days because it liberates us from the need to be finished. It's never finished. There will be one more project. There will be one more floor that needs to be swept. There will be one more phone call that needs to be made. There will be one more thing. For those of you who are here this morning and you've never, ever trusted Christ, your first step toward rest is actually beginning to trust Jesus. If, if you've never trusted Christ, you can take a day off a week. You can call it your lazy day or do whatever you want to do, whatever you call it, but you'll never really tr truly find that inner soul rest, and that's where it starts. It starts with trusting Christ. 
learning to trust him with your life, with your life now here and your life in eternity. Learning to trust him with your sin. He carried your sin for you so that you could be forgiven and free. Learning to trust him with your shame. Learning to trust him with your time. Learning to trust him with your finances. Following Jesus involves trusting Jesus. And so for some of you this morning, it means just stepping into that for the first time. To trust the work of Jesus. And then for some of you, you might look at me, you might be looking at me today and going, you're a crazy man. There's no way I can take a week, a, a day off every week. I've got too many things going on, too many appointments, too many things happening in my life. There's absolutely no way I can celebrate a Sabbath. I'm like, okay, I get it because I, I was there once as well. And there are times and seasons in my life where I, I don't know if I can do it. But you can take Sabbath moments this week. Uh, you, you can carve out five minutes instead of looking at your cell phone and filling your mind with social media, instead of turning Netflix on, instead of, um, I don't know, pick a mindless activity that we engage in to get some form of rest or distraction and focus on God. Be present to the moment, be present to the action of God in your life and the action of God around you. Play with your kids. Invite conversation with another person. Practice gratitude. Open your Bible. Breathe out a prayer. You can do something this week to have a Sabbath moment. Maybe every day you've got five or ten minutes. I bet you've got more time than that. In fact, I know you've got more time than that because studies show us that you probably spend an average of two plus hours every week on your screens. You've got time. The question is, will we take it? Will we carve it out? Will we actively practice the presence of God, the rule and reign of God over my life? A reminder that, I, that God is sovereign and I, I'm not enslaved to my stuff. Well, we practice that. You can do that this week. You can take five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And then as you begin to experience that, you can begin to set a big goal for yourself and say one day a week, we're gonna work toward one day a week where we can actually rest together as a family. It's gonna look different for everybody. It's much easier in a culture that practices Sabbath to practice Sabbath. Our culture doesn't practice Sabbath. You're going against the grain I grew up in South Africa, and uh, at noon on Saturday, everything shut down. I, you pr young guys, you, you don't remember a day like this. Everything shut down at noon on Saturday. You'd have to get gas and groceries and everything else you needed for the weekend until stuff started happening again on Monday. It was the best thing ever. <laughs> when we went to Israel, Everything shuts down. Families are out on the beach playing. People are enjoying life. Even people who don't believe in God in Israel, and there are lots of them, the secular Jewish people, love the Sabbath. We don't have that privilege in our culture. So it's up to us to carve that time out for ourselves. It hasn't been instituted for us. 
we have to institute it for ourselves and that's tough. But if you can do it, and if you practice the presence of God in that Sabbath, I'm not suggesting that you'll never ever get tired, I'm not suggesting that you'll never fall, you'll never stumble, but you will begin to experience a measure of rest in your life that you've never ever had before. So I'm gonna invite you just to stand with me. Reflect for a moment what your next step is. Maybe for you it's just stepping into a relationship with Jesus. Maybe for others it's saying, I, you know, I just, this week I'm gonna to start to practice Sabbath moments. I'm just gonna close my eyes and I'm going to, for five minutes, practice gratitude. I'm going to pray with, play with those around me, uh, my, my kids. I'm gonna have a meaningful conversation. I'm going to, to listen to music that stirs my soul toward God. I'm gonna breathe out a prayer. And then for others, it's saying, I, I, I actually need to just carve out a day. A day every single week in which I can wonder, which I can relish in the beauty of God's world and the people around me. A day where my soul can actually be refueled rather than emptied. A day where I can dance and play and run, walk, marvel. God, thank you for the good gifts that you give us. Forgive us for denying them. Help us to lean into the practices and the habits that you've given to us and ultimately to rest our souls in Christ. So God, I pray for us. I pray for our community that we would begin to change the narrative in this culture. That our community would be seen as a community of people who are not driven and unrested but a community that is deeply rested and full and free, marveling at your grace and your goodness toward us. Fill us up, God, as we drink you in. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. You are loved. God has given you good gifts. I invite you to take them, to receive them, to live in them. Go in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for tuning into our podcast today. To discover more about Stony Plain Alliance Church and its ministries, visit our website at spaconline.com. Grace and peace.